Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. So we're going to talk about hope, and we're going to talk about how we've taken for granted that hope is something that is always good. And I know that sounds a little funny because, you know, Scripture very clearly talks about hope, so why wouldn't we think hope is a good thing? And it is, but we have to be willing to give up what we are hoping for. So we're not giving up hope, but what we are doing is we're going to give up the way we hope. That's what we're going to be discussing today. So if we take a look at Romans 5, let's start there. We're going to talk about this first aspect of hope. In Romans 5, 1 through 5, I have the um, ESV version, so feel free to follow along. Mine says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not let us down, or your version might say put us to shame, Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the first section of this scripture, Paul is talking about how we have been sanctified. How because of God's great love for us, that we are brought into this place called grace. Does anybody remember from last week what grace means? It's okay if you don't. Isaac, do you remember? Remember? Okay, I can't quite hear you. But if you said, (laughs) it means I'm really, really special to someone and I don't have to do anything, then you got an A. Good job. That was perfect. Okay? (laughs) Thanks, Chuck. So, oh, look. All right. Thank you, tech team. We got our hope slides up. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. So here's here's where we're at now in our scriptures. So we get to have this hope because of sanctification, because of God's grace and how special we are to him, that our lives now matter for eternity. We get to hope that what we do here on earth will matter, not throughout just the kingdom today, but the kingdom to come. And we are part of this grace God has given us, which we remember means that we are really special to somebody without them Earning, earning it. But there's a problem with when we have to echo that grace back onto others, we have to love people and show them that they're really, really special to us when they don't deserve it. And I don't know about you, but that creates some suffering for me. It is really hard to love those who do not reciprocate that feeling that you're trying to share with them that they mean a lot to you. Kind of like we talked about last week when 
you know, with joy, when we were talking about how if somebody just kind of stands there because they have to, it's hard to love that person that's just standing there because they have to. And it creates some suffering in us to be that reflection of God's grace to the world around us. It causes suffering in the church. I mean, it's not, we're not just talking about people outside these doors. We're talking about people in the doors too, that it is hard to love some of us well and be able to still have, have hope. So we have to talk about suffering in the context of hope because Paul is telling us here that suffering is what's producing this endurance. It's what's producing this character, which is producing hope for us. And you've probably heard or seen the analogy of like gold being refined and how you literally have to heat that stuff up to like the surface of the sun, if not hotter, and all the impurities have to melt away. So for us to have hope, we have to understand we're going to suffer. There is no hope without the suffering. So the whole point of what we can hope for in this scripture is for us to learn that through that endurance, through that character building, through what God is showing us in loving others who may not love us back, who don't receive our joy or our grace, that we are to have so much of his love and his light inside of us that that suffering does not weigh us down. We have to be willing to say, okay, God, you're doing something here. Make me more like you. Show me how to be like you. Let this light, this joy exude from my face so that when I am in the midst of suffering, people will go, wait a minute. What are you doing? What do you got going on there? Now, this is not to talk about muscling up the energy. This is an inside joke in our family. When I was pregnant with our third daughter, my husband wanted to take a walk with me. I was so tired. And he's like, just muscle up the energy. I'm like, really? You grow three kids and tell me <laughs> to muscle up the energy afterwards, okay? Because I cannot, for the life of me, muscle up that energy if I have nothing left, if I have nothing there to give. So we were talking about joy last week, and we were talking about appreciation and how to build joy, because we have to exercise that muscle. Joy is like that core strength, right? Anybody work out? I used to, okay? Joy is the, is the ab muscles, and shalom and peace are the back muscles, okay? So if you're not growing some appreciation and then resting, if you're not doing this workout, you'll hurt yourself. You will hurt yourself, and not only that, but it will give people the false idea that, oh, this is how we do this as Christians, so I'm just supposed to put on a happy face and be okay in the suffering, and that's what I do. And that's not what we're about. Genuine joy, as we talked about last week, comes out of our hearts, up through our eyes and on our faces, and in the midst of suffering, we can go to one another and we can go to God and we can ask him to fill us up and to show us who we have in our lives that can be glad to be with us in our suffering and how he can be glad to be with us even in our suffering. So this means 
we have to give up our hope that there won't be any suffering. We have to let that go. And that's a part of this process of spiritual maturity and becoming more like Jesus. We have to be willing to give up the stuff that doesn't look like him. I have someone that I speak to on a regular basis, and I was talking with her about something so painful in my life and how I wanted to run from it. And she said, oh, Lisa, but that's not what Jesus does. Jesus walked into the pain. He walked into the slums looking for his disciples. He walked into those places of the Sanhedrin knowing what was coming. He walked into the cross knowing what was coming, guys. I can't do that. (laughs) I can't do that on my own. I can't. But by the grace of God, by enduring suffering, by producing, by God's grace of producing character in me as I'm enduring this suffering, he will give me his strength to show me how to suffer well. So we cannot have hope without suffering. But we get to have hope that he is with us in our suffering, and even more so, he is glad to be with us in our suffering. And he gives us community that will be with us in our suffering as well. And we can rely on one another. So now we're going to move over to First uh, John chapter 3, talk about another aspect of hope. And I'm going to read, um, starting in chapter 2, I don't have that on the screen for you, but the verse just prior says, and now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence, which is actually translated hopefulness, and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So we get to have hopefulness that when he appears, we will be confident and not shrink at his return. And he goes on in chapter 3, verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. One of the other Bible translations that I like says lavished on us. And lavished is just that like syrup, honey, pouring something over your head, like just oil running down your body. That is lavish, okay? He is not just giving his love. He is like, let me dump and dump and dump and dump some more love on you until you get how much I love you. And we should be called children of God. And so we are. The very thing that we could hardly hope for. I could never in a million years on my own come up with the idea that I could be a daughter of the King of Kings. I could never think of that. I could never hope for that. I wouldn't even know how to hope for that. So the very thing we would never think to hope for is to be his children. And John says we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And we are transforming into this thing that we're hoping for. We are God's family. But John goes on to say, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. So we are God's children, but what our final state 
has not yet come to pass. We do not yet know. But we do know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So we're transformed and when we become Christians, when we become followers of Christ, we've been transformed into family. But we're not done yet, right? That's what I love about our God. He's not the either or. He's the both and. I am both holy and a mess. I am both sanctified and weak. I am both and. And he's telling us, John is telling us, that while we're transforming into that final family state that we're going to be in, when the kingdom, when Jesus comes back to us and we're going to be all together as glorious family, that it's, the world is not going to understand that. The world is not understanding that now. And what happens here is in our humanness, we want to get approval. We want to have other people tell us, you're such a good Christian. I love it when you pray. I'll be honest, when I was worshiping this morning on that last song, I wanted to kneel. And I was like, no, I can't do that. Like, that just would be really awkward. That might look funny. And then Jesus goes, well, who's, who are you doing that for? Me or them? Who are you doing that for? And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to be able to stand when I meet you anyway. So I may as well get some practice in and just drop. So if you ever see me do that, that's what I'm doing, okay? That's me like, ooh, Holy Spirit's got me. Right? And I'm being transformed into this family member. I'm being transformed into this daughter, and yet I also am his daughter. But we are not going to know what that fully looks like until Jesus returns. And in the meantime, we have to let go of that hope that the people around us are going to approve. I have to stop hoping that you'll approve of what I'm doing. Because you are not, as, as my friend uh, Mr. Charles said last week, they don't have a heaven or hell to send you to. And I was like, thank you, sir. I needed that. Because it's so true. It's so true. So with our hope, we have to let go of the hope of approval of others. And we have to hope that we are continuing to be family even when we don't look like family. Even when this family makes no sense. And a great example of that is over here in Ruth, chapter 1. So if you want to flip over there. And in the beginning of Ruth, um, the Bible describes that it's the time of judges. So everybody is doing whatever they want to do. Sounds a little familiar. And there was a famine. And so this family... Uh, Naomi and her husband and her sons decide that their good idea is to move to Moabite country. And sure enough, they end up moving and the sons find wives. And I think you kind of know how the story goes if you've heard Ruth before, that they decide to live in that country for a little bit until death and destruction. Until, unfortunately, the husband passes and then the sons go. So what Naomi had hoped for, to be in the land of Moab and have her family and enjoy their lives, don't we all wish for that? That's an easy, wonderful time as family. 
And then trauma hits. So now we're going to look at uh, specifically verse 11, where Naomi is talking about what she's going to do with this hopeless despair she's feeling. And Naomi said, go home, my daughters. If you want family, go home. Why would you come with me? Am I going to grow more children in my womb so that you can have husbands? Turn back. Go your way. I'm too old. Even if I had that hope, what am I going to get a husband this night and we're going to have kids? Would you therefore wait until my sons are grown? Would you stop from remarrying? No, my daughters. It is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She lost her hope. And we know that Ruth decides to do things a little differently. And Ruth decides to hope in the family of God. She knows Naomi is part of the family of God. And she decides, no, I'm going to stay with you, Mom. I want to be with you. I'm glad to be with you, right? And so they return back to Israel. But meanwhile, Naomi renames herself Mara, meaning bitter. She is still holding on to that hopeless despair, right? So we have to look at the way that Naomi handled this and the way that Ruth handled this. It's two of these options. When trauma hits us, we can do one of two things. We can become bitter. We can decide that God does not love us or want to be with us or that the hand of God is against us. Or we can be Ruth and we can cast our hope on the family of God. We can cry out to our Father to be with us in our suffering. And we can go to our family and say, I'm really weak right now. I need help. I'm suffering. So that's one of these hopes that we have to surrender. Are we willing to give up that hope of this isn't, this is what I wanted. I, Naomi was talking about, I want this. I, even if I could, I would want to have a husband. I would want to give you sons. Naomi was thinking of how she could hold on to her hope in her own way. But are we willing to give that up to see what God would have us to do and to rely on him and his family. And Ruth is rewarded. It's very obvious that throughout that story, she is rewarded by going back to the one true God and being with that family. And not only that, she becomes the great-great-grandmother, I believe, of King David and eventually the king of kings. The very person that we would hope to be related to, Ruth gets to do because of the way that she was willing to hope for God and for his family to provide and not try to come up with her own solution. And what this story brought to mind for me, I wanted to just put this up there, is that our good, good father knows what we want and he knows what we need. And he will give us good enough but we are settling for that. We could have had the great miracle. 
if we would hope for our Father's will instead of our own, we will get more than we could ever dare to imagine. We could not dare to imagine to be his children. But he will still give us enough. But you might be hoping yourself out of the great miracle that you could have had. So in the midst of all of this hoping, there's one thing we can stand on. There's more than one thing we can stand on. But this one thing we can stand on, that we are being made like him. In the midst of our suffering, we are being made like him. We can have the confidence that no situation can take that away from us, even when it hurts. We can count on looking more like Jesus once the suffering is done. Once the refining fire has passed through, we will be more pure. One last thought here about hope as we wrap up this part of the um, morning. We also can't talk about hope without another sibling, love. So Paul, we know in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul describes love to us. I hope that was like one of the first passages I had to memorize in fifth grade, all about love. And at the end of this, Paul concludes with saying, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And he even begins chapter 14, the following chapter, with pursue love. And we know that the disciple John also tells us that God is love. And those who do not love do not know God. So this matters in the conversation of hope because we cannot hope more than we love. There is a feeling in some of our church systems where we put faith first and just trust that God would heal someone, right? But guess what happens? We don't get the medical attention. If we are putting our faith first before love, we are not loving well. In that same chapter, Paul talks about it's like a resounding gong. It's just noise to God. We can't put our faith before our love. And the same is true of our hope. In the church, we do things running around like chickens with our head cut off and go, okay, I hope God really likes that. I did it for you, right? Yay, Jesus. And he was like, daughter, I never told you to do that. I wanted you to rest. I wanted so-and-so to do it. So we cannot mix up our faith, and our hope for the Father's heart, which is love. And we cannot act in faith or in hope without love. I have somebody that I've, I've hoped for a really long time we could have the kind of relationship I really want. And God said to me, that may never happen this side of heaven. And I realized that hope had turned toxic inside of me. It was eating at me because I was putting all these expectations on this person. I wanted them to just be the person I needed them to be. Why can't you, right? Why can't you just be this person I needed you to be? 
And he's like, no, that may not happen this side of heaven. And I had to let that go, and it killed me because I'm like, all I want is to have this relationship, this really important relationship, be whole. And it may not. So we're going to put this into practice today. I know y'all are loving this. Um, some reflection and action here a minute. The first one is that we have to surrender our hopes to Jesus. We have to know, okay, I'm, I know I'm going to hope. That, that's important for us as believers. We can't not have it. I have to hope. But I have to surrender what I'm hoping for or for the way it's going to happen to Jesus. It's entirely possible that it may not happen this side of heaven, and I have to let that go. And I also have to listen. If there is something I'm not hoping for, I should be. I've struggled with depression my whole life, and it wasn't until probably two years ago Jesus goes, you know you've never asked me to cure that, right? I was living in, I was living in this is how it is. This is my hopeless despair. This is too big for me. I can't do this. I don't even dare hope for that. I don't even dare hope for that. And he said, no, but you get to. This is why we have to be able to listen to our Father's voice. Because we have to hear those little nuances where this is not to what you need to hope for, but you get to hope for this. But you got to trust me that I'm going to get you there. It may not look the way you wanted it to but I will get you there. I'm a good dad. I'm a good father. Don't settle for good enough. Don't settle. Hope for what I have for you, and it will be miraculous, and it will make you more like me. That's the hope we want. We want to look like Jesus. So in our practicing today, we're going to listen to Jesus. What we're going to do is, it's going to feel a little funny, I'm not going to lie, but so does all of this, right? And that's, it's an important part of how we do things so that we can train our minds like that we can actually hear from God. It is possible to hear from him on a regular basis. And some of us just have never been taught how. So we're going to practice that for a minute. What I'm going to have us do, I'll, I'll explain this, and then I'll give you a couple minutes to do it. Is, and I'm going to encourage the kids if they can, I understand if they can't, but I'm going to have you close your eyes and I'm going to have you reflect on some appreciation. Maybe it's like last week when we did this practice, that moment, or maybe it was worship this morning. Just kind of close your eyes and reflect on a, a place that brings you such peace or a person that brings you such joy. Whatever that is for you, go ahead and just close your eyes and, and reflect on that. some time there just keep your eyes closed relive it if it's a memory if it's a place put yourself there let it relax your body
now, Lord Jesus, we just invite you to come and share with us what you have in this place. Jesus, we just ask that anything we are holding on to that you would want us to let go of, that we could give that to you right now, Lord. Father, we just ask if there's anything else you want us to know here. Share that with us. as we close out our time together we just praise you we honor you for what you are doing for us and through us and we just pray Lord that we would love like you that we would look like you that we would let go of those things you don't want us to hold on to anymore and we ask that you would show us what you have for us to hope for Give us the hopes that we dare not even dream of. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.